Hi, my name is Tom Alston. I'm the founder and CEO of Aeromarine Tax Professionals. Here on the Winning Pitch Broadcast, I'm going to tell you how it is. I'll be sharing the ins and outs of business management, improving your sales skills, building personal and professional wealth, and balancing it all with your personal and family life, excluding the part about balancing it with your personal life. Don't expect a filter because we're about to rustle some feathers. Have fun. Welcome to today's issue of the Winning Pitch Podcast. Today, my guest is Lucia De La Rosa. Am I saying it correct? La Rosa. There's no day in there. Why do I think day? <laughs> so this is Lucia. She has an amazing story to tell you, and I'm sure that you'll find it very, very motivating. So Lucia, tell everyone your story. Hello. Thank you for having me, Tom. I'm so excited to do this podcast with you. Yeah, I mean, a little bit about me. I was born and raised in Peru. It's a country in South America. And I moved to the States at the age of 14 years old. So as a teenager, moved complete different countries, did not speak any English. So you can imagine how that was. It was very, very challenging. How'd you overcome that? You know what? My mom said, you have to graduate and go to college. So I had no choice. You know, sometimes when we move into these situations of like no choice, you're going to adapt. So I learned the language. I came in straight up freshman year. By my sophomore year, I could speak it more. I could understand more and um, graduated high school and then went to a community college. And then all in Los Angeles. All in California, yes. What city did you live in when you were going to high school? Riverside, California. So it's about... I know where Riverside is. One of my sons was born in Riverside. Oh, no way. Yeah, I used to be a district manager. I ran all... Of course, it was in almost a previous lifetime. It was a long time ago. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's so awesome. Yeah. So I went to high school in Riverside. You might know RCC. I went to that community college. Uh-huh. I didn't know much about the educational system here in the States, and my mom didn't know either. So I thought I was going to a university, but then they told me a community college is different than a university. So it was really interesting to like see how things would play out for people that come from other countries and the information that we didn't have access to. But when it came to that, you know, I always knew that I wanted to have my own business. I grew up with both of my parents being entrepreneurs without me even knowing it. I thought that was normal for them to own their own businesses and, you know, kind of be their own boss. So I wanted the same thing for me. And I mean, there's a lot of things that happen that I can tell you if you want to know more. But I want to know everything. But most importantly, I want to know what business your mom was in. And I want to know what business your dad was in. Okay, so my mom. Okay, so she did a lot of things. Uh, Back in Peru, we had like a spa. So she was a hairstylist aerobic instructor and she also had a pesticide business well those are certainly related right that makes (laughs) perfect sense i know so she converted all of our first floor of our home into a spa so she had the salon and in the back she had a whole space to teach aerobics so that's how she started her entrepreneurial side and then one of my uncles had a very successful pesticide company in venezuela So she decided to open one just like his, but in Peru. And he was also very successful in that, in both of them. I mean, she was running both companies. That's where my love for beauty and women empowerment, I think, really, really started. Um, Okay. 
seen my mom change a women's attitude by just changing their hair and making them look and feel better. I think that's when I really got exposed to the power of inner beauty and outer beauty. And then my dad, he was an independent contractor for a um, life insurance company in Peru. So, you know, he would have his own clients, he would make his own schedule, had his own office. So they were both entrepreneurs. I didn't even know what that word meant back then. I just knew that my parents were there for me whenever I had like a school thing or like anything like that. Like there wasn't this, hold on, let me ask my boss or hold on, let me ask for PTO. And um, a lot of my friends, you know, they didn't have that same reality. So now as an entrepreneur, I'm like, wow, that's so cool that my parents were entrepreneurs and I didn't have to deal with that. So I want to do the same thing for my kids. So what's the Spanish word for entrepreneur? I think it's just like business owner. Nowadays, it's a thing. So we call them emprendedores. That's the word in Spanish. Yeah. That's the one I've heard. I knew I heard a word that was very similar to emprendedores. Yes. So if everything was going, I'm going to ask you a dumb question. If everything was going so well and so, so successful, why did they leave Peru to come to the United States? Great question. So my parents split up when I was about 10 years old or eight years old. And when that happens, you know, sometimes parents don't think about the best for the kids, but they're just like going at it. They want to make each other wrong. So my dad kind of stopped the money flow to my mom. And my mom being very independent and, you know, Miss, I can do it all on my own. She's like, well, some way, somehow I will take my kids to the United States of America. I remember her just saying it out into the universe. And then a couple years went by. She met her second husband, which is like, was like my second dad. Okay. And he happened to be an American citizen, but he was also Peruvian, but he had lived here. So it wasn't a gringo. No, (laughs) no, (laughs) no. It was funny because he had lived here for 30 years, moved back to Peru and met my mom. And she's like, you know, if there's a chance for us to go, like my kids deserve the best. I've been dreaming about taking them to America, but with the right, you know, with the visa and all this stuff that it's Mm -hmm. very, very hard to accomplish when you're coming from another country. So I always tell my mom, I'm like, you're a visionary. You just put it out there. And, you know, God and the universe just always played in your favor. She's very hardworking. So that's why we ended up here. Awesome. So you arrived in Los Angeles and you were basically getting ready to start high school, right? Yeah, at 14. So I'm really interested in your dumped off at school and I'm with my term not yours and you don't speak the language I mean I speak a little bit of Spanish because I was married to a woman from Argentina for almost 40 years but mostly it was bad words because those are the things that she (laughs) told me and I agree I deserved all of it so (laughs) I've lived in Mexico and when I go to Mexico I have a little bit of understanding of how to speak but I don't know the tenses and all that thing so Mm -hmm. I would sit and have long conversations with people. And when I got all done with them, I realized I wasn't really sure what we were (laughs) talking about. So how did you go through that? Tell me about your first 30 days in high school (laughs) in Riverside, not understanding a language. Yeah. So I knew the basics, right? Hi, how are you? My name is Lucia. I knew colors, numbers, and songs. That's all my English. They have a program or they had, I don't know if they still have it, in Riverside called ESL. Mm -hmm. So English as a second language. And they had a school about 45 minutes away from my house 
where kids from other countries, most of them were all from Mexico. So I really felt like I came to Mexico, to be honest with you. <laughs> my first I completely day. understand that. You were in Southern California. <laughs> yes, my Spanish wasn't even, like they couldn't even understand my Spanish. I couldn't understand their Spanish. But I made really good friends, like Mexican people. My Mexican friends are the most hardworking people I've ever met in my entire life. I agree. <laughs> So it was a really cool experience, but at the same time, like some Spanish words were like a bad word for me was not a bad word for them. And I, it was insane, but long story short, I went six months to a school where the classes were still in Spanish in Mexican Spanish. So it was still a little difficult for me, but something interesting happened. I was able to write in English and test proficient in the language, but I will not because okay. when you're 14 years old. You're embarrassed of everything. Mm -hmm. So I didn't even want to say I wanted to just speak in Spanish and I wanted to go back to my country and my friends and my comfort zone. But the first six months that I went to that school, my mom said, "Okay, you tested proficient in English. Now you're going to go to your home school, which was in Riverside. So it was like uh, 10 minutes away from my house. And I said, okay. no, mom, like I just made friends. Like, how are you going to do this to me? Everything is good. I have half classes in English, half class in Spanish. And she said, no, because college is going to all be in English. And I want you to speak perfect English. Did your mom speak English at the time? She was speaking more than me. Yeah. My mom speaks Spanish, French, and English. Did she speak English before you guys came to the United States? She was probably speaking more than what we knew because she was here two months before us. Okay. Did she go to a language school to make that bridge? She did. And I think because she already spoke a second language, which, which was French, it was a little bit easier for her to pick up on, on the English. But yeah, that's why she was so like... If I can do it, then you're going to do it, you know, type yeah. of thing. And she moved me to that different school where I, again, I had to start all over. I didn't speak any English. I made a lot of Mexican friends there too that spoke Spanish. I got into the volleyball team, which really, really helped to, you know, be more social. My mom would go to school and tell like my teachers about me. She's such an overprotective mom. Like she doesn't speak a lot of English, but blah, blah, blah. And, you know, my coach, my volleyball coach would always tell people, don't mess with Lucia. If you guys are telling her something and she doesn't understand, just come to me. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it wasn't that bad. It was scary for any 14, 15 year old. Very, very scary. Every single day it was like, I don't know what to expect. I don't know if you want to hear crazy stories, but. Well, I'll ask you a crazy question then. What was your perception of you when you were 14? That's a good one. I became very introverted, okay. extremely because of the language. And that really, really broke me because I've always been the person that I am today, right? Like outgoing, I want to talk to people, I want to help, I want to express myself. And when you don't have the words, you know, to do hard that, to do. Yeah, you can't. So you're just like, you become the effect of everything. Yeah. You know, you're no longer a cause. So things are happening. And you're like, okay, well, I can't say much. So it was, I would say it introverted. I was just like, I just couldn't make decisions. But, and again, my, my mom was technically like running my life up until I was 18. And are you glad for that? <laughs> you know what? In a way, yes. But in Did a way- Did you like it then? No. Oh my gosh, no. Okay, so, so you were a typical teenager. Typical. In a new country where my mom was so scared of letting me out to the corner because she didn't know anybody. Wow. 
And kids on my age were doing very different things than kids on my age. And like, I was still playing with dolls at 14. Really? Yes. And there I wasn't went, a lot of young kids at 14 in Riverside who were playing with dolls at 14. Mostly they were playing with boys, <laughs> yeah. marijuana, cerveza, uh, you know. Yeah. We live in the same world. Oh, my gosh. That was crazy to me. I didn't know about weed. I didn't know what it smelled like, what it looked like. And one of the craziest stories was I was in the restroom uh, in high school and I could sense this weird smell, but I didn't think any of it. And they have securities in high school. To me, that was really bizarre. I'm like, why do they have like cops in a school? Like that makes no sense. But I've realized why they have them. And that's because there could be drugs in school. And I remember going in the restroom and somebody was banging on the door and they thought I was smoking and I had no idea what they were talking about. I was terrified. I was like, wait, what's going on? And then they explained to me what was going on, but it was cool. a shock. So what is the most important lesson in your life that you got while you were in high school? In high school, I think, I think just like networking. If you ask me today, I would say networking. To be honest, everything that I learned in high school is kind of a blur. Because if you were lesson like from school, it's a blur because I probably had so many misunderstood words. And, you know, I don't even know how I graduated, to be honest. I consider myself smart. Like I can, you know, pick up and understand things, but not knowing the language fully, those lessons are kind of a blur. But network. Trust me, I can speak English and my lessons from high school are a blur too. So <laughs> yeah. It has nothing to do with the language problem. It has to do with the way that you're taught. It that has to do with your understanding of how yeah. to study and understand words and clear mm-hmm. word, do word clearing and stuff like that. Exactly. I so I didn't know any of that. The most important thing you got out of high school was networking. Yes. So then you went on to Riverside Community College, right? Right. All right. So what'd you get out of that? Same networking. So, so did you go beyond Riverside Community College? I did not. I dropped out of community college. I'm going to ask you why, even though I probably know the answer to this. <laughs> the reason why I dropped out was because I had just gone through a bad breakup. I had no job, no money, and I needed to go full time into working. So I was okay. like forced to drop out, which I, it was fine with me. I was like, this is not my priority right now. Okay. So let's back up because I forgot to ask you an important question. How old were you the very first time you got a job or did something where you earned money? 18 years old. So you were out of high school. Mm-hmm. My mom would not allow me to work. Really? Yeah. My culture is very different. Over there, you don't work or move out until you're done with college. Really? So working. That's really pretty. I remember that from Mexico, too. And I thought, damn, you're keeping your kids an awful long time. And yet I know friends that are 30, have kids that are 35 years old and are still living at home. home. And that seems real bizarre to me. I I, know. My dad had a policy of 18 and out, and it didn't take me very long to figure out why he felt (laughs) that way. You know, my mom would say, in this household, you're in Peru. Once you step outside of the house, okay, yeah, it's America. But in here, my house, my rules. And I wanted to work. My All my friends had extra money to buy whatever they wanted and 15, 18, you know, 17. And yeah, she didn't allow me. What did your mom do for a living when she was in Estados Unidos? She had her own beauty salon. She opened up her salon. So she stayed with that, not in the pesticide business anymore. No, no. She tried, <laughs> but it's very expensive to open one of those here. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you started working after you got out of high school. Mm-hmm. Was the break point high school or 18? After high school. It had to be after high school because I was not allowed to work during school. Tell me about your first job. So I worked at Pizza Hut. Good place to start. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, one of my friends had a job there. So connections, networking. She said, yeah, they're hiring, you know, come by, fill out an application. And it was my first job. And I remember being so excited and oh my gosh, it was a nightmare. <laughs> Why? That was the moment where I realized I could not work for someone else. Really? Something in my stomach and my heart and my soul. I just couldn't. And maybe it had to do with, you know, my mom always telling me what to do and me not having a choice of like, mm -hmm you know, being able to do what I wanted, but it's kind of like having a boss. <laughs> it is, but it's like, I can put up with my mom, but I'm not going to put up with you. Like, who are you <laughs> to tell me? So how long were you at the pizza place? Well, I was there for almost a year, I think. Okay. But I've also been a good employee. You know, I've always wanted to go above and beyond and like move up and make more money. I was picking up the phones. I was making pizzas. The only thing I wasn't doing there was delivering, but okay. I was doing everything else. And then after that, I got a job as a teacher. Teaching what? Spanish, Spanish, Spanish English? Mm -hmm. I worked at a private school. Okay. Yeah. And tell me about the big bucks you made there. What did you make doing that job? Yeah. So there I was like rich for my age. I was making like $20 an hour, full-time job, you know, Monday through Friday, no weekends. And I thought, this is it. Like I made it, you know. I What'd you do with your money? <laughs> You know, it was bad. I was 20 something, started going out, started partying, bought a nice car, shopping, eating out. Sounds like my 22 year old daughter now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just don't when you don't know, you don't know. And right. I didn't have any of the knowledge that I have today. So I was blowing that money. So tell the audience what you do today and then go backwards to why, how you got into that. Yeah. So today I do network marketing. I own an amazing organization. I'm part of an amazing team. I get to make money from wherever, like I'm traveling right now. But essentially I have an online business with beauty products that are good for the environment and your body. And then I help people do the same thing that I do. And my business has completely changed the way that I live, the way that I look at money, the way that I look at people, because looking at the person that I was back then, you know, making money, working, 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 and then making money and then spending it, you know, now it's like, okay, I'm putting in the work, but I am making much more money. And I am also making an impact in people's lives. And to me, that's the perfect combination. Where I so can how old were you when you started? We've skipped a step here. And the step is, who do you work for? What's the MLM that you belong to? Yeah. Yeah. So I work with Mane. The, the company's name is Mane. Stands Spell for it. Mom Nature. Uh -huh. Spell it so people can... can M-O-N-A-T. So it stands for Modern Nature. They're based in Miami, actually. Aren't you also based in Miami yes. now? Yes, I live in Miami as well. Uh huh. Okay. Right now, right now I'm in Beverly Hills, but I travel for work, which is awesome. You know, I get yeah. to travel. I get to meet with girls that I met through social media that you know also want to do what I do, and so that's why I'm here. I'm helping my team in Los Angeles out to continue to grow. But this is why I say like networking was the thing that really I took from all the years of going to school. Good for you. A lot of the people that are doing business with me now are people that I met in high school and college. Okay. So how old were you when you started working for Monet? I was 27 years old. Where were you working at right before that? So right before my last corporate job, well, I actually had corporate jobs in Miami, but I was here in LA 
And I was a property manager. I had three buildings under my name and I became the number one leasing agent in my company. Does that mean you're a gifted salesperson? I discovered my magic of sales in that job. Yeah. So this is a little bit of a segue, but how did you get connected to Grant Cardone? Okay. So that's good. Right when I was getting that job, I didn't know anything about sales, but I happened to meet my fiance, Steve. And at around the same time you started working for Monet. No. This was before Monet. Really? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. This was when and I just was- so the readers know, Steve and I, her fiance and I are good friends. And yes. he's my rep from inside of Grant Cardone, and I'm a Grant Cardone licensee, so there's no total transparency here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was working I was living in Los Angeles still. I was what, 25, 26 years old. You're not asking me, are you? It was your life. <laughs> I know, right? I'm so mad. And I started working as a leasing agent and then they gave me buildings to be property manager. Because again, every job I've had, I've just moved really, really quickly within the companies. And it was around the same time that I met Steve and I never heard of Grant Cardone or Elena Cardone or 10X. No idea who they were. Who, by the way, are the most wonderful people on planet Earth. They are. Just so you know how we feel about them. Exactly. So how did you meet was he connected to the real estate company? No, Steve and I met through a friend in common that we have. Okay. Yeah, very small world. She went to high school with me when I just moved to the States. She was one of my first friends in okay. America. That's how we got connected. But the first thing that I learned from Grant Cardone was all the 10Xs that you have in the back. Um, <laughs> Steve sends me the audible version of 10X. And during that period of my life, I had made the decision to stop wasting money, to stop going out. This was prior to any of 10X or Steve or anything. I just remember downloading the app Audible for the first time ever and downloading some other books. So I started personal development. And then all of these things started to really, I don't know, I started to attract all these things. And I was listening to Grant speak about 10X. And I remember freaking out, like just being like, oh my God, I'm not crazy. Like I knew there were people out there that thought like me. And so the first book of grants that you ever heard was 10X. 10X rule. Me too. And I never heard of Grant until September of 2016. So when was it chronologically that you first heard this book, the 10X book? So it was what, five years ago. So what are we? So 2016, 15. Yeah. Okay. So you've known Grant longer than I have. I'm Uh-oh. jealous. <laughs> yeah. I've met Steve before you then. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was introduced to Grant and I just listened to the book. And then, you know, I just feel like I have so many friends doing average things. I love right. them and they're amazing and, and they're very supportive. Some of them are still around. A lot of them are not, but um, you get this like, oh, you're going to become obsessed with this thing. Oh, you, like, why are you listening to this stuff? And it's kind of like you have to fight your way through through 10x. And it's like the world is testing you to see if you're meant for it. Because I think that a lot of people are, uh, are not interested, you know, or, yeah. or are not strong enough to fight for a level of success. So for me, that's where my journey really started with taking myself as an individual, emotionally, spiritually, mentally to the next level. I remember when I first started listening to the book 10X, I wasn't five minutes into it and I knew this guy was the real deal. He's just got 
the whole approach that he takes to things. And mm. since I've gotten to know him, all of the feelings that I had about him came through. I mean, he, he'll, he'll tell you if your breath stinks. He'll tell you if you need to take a shower. And he should, because he's the ultimate life coach. He'll hate the fact that I ever call him a life coach because he's kind of, he natters about yeah. us. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I connected to him so much. Did you feel, get the same phenomena early on in the book or did you have to listen to most of it? No. I did. I was, I remember sitting. So I've had many jobs. Like if you ask me how many jobs I'm going to jump around because they're all a blur again. I, I was sitting at a, I worked at a car dealership as a front desk girl. And I remember sitting there vividly listening to the book while at work. So wrong. <laughs> but you know, I didn't know better. Now she's getting her overts off. Yeah, it feels good. Now, I, I've already gotten that over a long time ago. So I'm okay telling you, but, and I remember like almost freaking out, like almost wanting to like cry. And I texted Steve, like, thank you so much for, you know, sharing this book with me. Like, this is awesome. And I remember like Grant really kind of confirm or give me that permission to be different, Mm -hmm. to be the person that I knew that I wanted to be. And even back then, you know, it was so different. Like, it's really hard to explain when you go through this change, like mentally and spiritually, like, it's just your journey. And I'll tell you, take us through that journey. Everybody is on the edge of their seats. Now they want to know. (laughs) Well, when I after I met Grant Cardone, I mean, I actually met him in person. So that kind of closed the deal for me. I'm like, yeah, this guy is the real deal. And I met Elena as well. Mm -hmm. So Steve and I started dating. And then um, I believe this was during the holidays. And I flew out to Miami, he had like a company holiday get together. And I remember meeting Grant and Elena for the first time and something about them really, it was almost like I was hypnotized because saying hi and like shaking their hand and seeing like how their eyes and how clear they were looking at you and you knew that they were looking through your soul. And that first connection that I had, I was like, everything that these people are doing, I want to do. And I told Steve, this was very early when Steve and I were dating. I didn't, I mean, I didn't know we're going to get married, you know, three years later and, and all that. But I said, okay, I need to know more about these people and what they do and and everything. Mm -hmm. And so he started to tell me, well, they train obviously with Cardone's material. This is the church that they go to. This is what they believe in. And this is what they stand for. And I work a lot. He told me too. he's like, work comes first. No woman or anything is going to come first right now than my career. Mm -hmm. And he was so clear about that. I understood. I knew what I was getting myself into. And I said, okay, what they're doing, I want to do. So I started that journey of following the footsteps of those mentors. And I don't regret any of it. So I literally almost duplicated and I continue to duplicate everything that they're doing, obviously, in my with my own passions, my own vehicle, like Monet and my company and my brand. But I did. And that's when the whole transformation started to happen. And it was just, it's been an, an amazing journey. So now I'm going to ask you some numbers. Okay. What was the first year that you worked with Monet? So the first year that I worked with Monet was very like money-wise, very little. It was like $1,000 a month, if that. I was on and off. It was like a difficult relationship. I was on and off. You weren't sold yet? I was not. Okay. So tell me about the second year. What'd you make? The second year... I made the decision. My first year, I was very focused on my spiritual side of growth. So I was going full time on that. Okay. 
And then my second year, I was still doing that, but I had already finished a lot of things. And I, the first three months, I was stuck at $3,000 a month in sales with my whole team. Okay. And I was like, dude. But that's 3X what you were doing like the year last before. Year. That, right? right. So I started the year good, but then I was like, okay, but I need to quit. Like, I don't want to work for anybody else. I want to do Monet full time. So I started to dig deeper into grants, marketing, and sales material. So I actually would sit down and listen to Cardin University. I started to pay attention to his marketing. I started to, I read all like Seller Be Sold, Be Obsessed or Be Average, Closer Survival, 10X, all of the books. I was all about it, right? And that's when people started to call me crazy and obsessed with Monet. And I said, yes, I'm crazy and obsessed with Monet. Because if I'm not, then I'm going to be just like everybody else making a couple thousand dollars a month. And I don't want that. I see myself doing more. My second year goes by and I went from three grand a month to now my team is making a little bit over $250,000 in sales a month. Now, did you just bring us all the way to 2020 or did you just go to the end of your second year? No, up until today. Okay. Well, that's, well, I don't even know what the number is. I know. I want to say one thing. Very, very well done. Thank you. <laughs> and, you know, I remember the first day I ever met you, we were in that Peruvian restaurant and, you know, I immediately, I said, there's something about this lady I really like. And now I see your videos every damn morning. When did you start doing that? The second year. My second year, I just became obsessed. And I knew that if I wanted to be someone in the space, in, at least in the Monet space, I needed to show up every single day, like Grant says. So every day, every morning, I'm there, I'm showing up. And it's really what's built a credibility now for myself as a brand and my entire team. My team counts on me. So now it's like, if I don't feel like it, or if I am having whatever issues or whatever it's going on, like, I have to show up because it's not just for me, it's for hundreds of people that are counting on me. How many people are in your, is a downline? downline. The right word? Okay. How many people are in your downline? So I checked the numbers and we're almost at a thousand people, about 800 and something. Okay. We're still babies. I understand. So what are you waiting for? When's it going to be 5 million? It has to. So that's why I'm here. Los Angeles, it's a very new market to money. And it's also a larger market than Miami. Miami is doing amazing. There are I believe it's safe to say five, like five millionaires from Miami within the Monet family. Okay. In Angeles, there is one. So that just gives you, and LA, California is so big, you know, I yeah. think from Palm Springs or something. So that just gives you an idea of how new the market is here. So that's why I'm here to expand a very new, fresh team. And I want to be that ground level opportunity for California. Okay. Now I want to tell the listeners that since I started following you on Instagram, the very first thing that amazes me is this lady gets up in the morning and puts on her makeup in a video. How <laughs> many of you have the nerve to do that? She does it every day. Again, I have to acknowledge you because it's just you know, I'm really flat on it now. I'm just used to seeing it. But I just can't imagine how many women really would do that. Yeah. Uh, tell me what possessed you to do that. So it's a good thing that you bring up because, okay, sometimes I put makeup on. But what you see every morning is just me doing my skincare routine. So I'm wearing makeup. That's, that's a, an old that's an old gringo that no, no, doesn't know what to call what you're doing. So. <laughs> 
that's okay. But it goes together with what you're saying. You know, a lot of girls don't want to show up without makeup on or they don't want to show up like, you know, done. Because again, it really goes back to my team. It really goes back to motivating, pushing them, inspiring them and leading by example. You know, I tell my girls, if you don't show up, regardless, you're going to wash your face, you're going to put moisturizer and sunscreen. Why are you not making money from it? Why are you not turning the phone on and just showing everyone what you're using. Yeah. It's a way of marketing, you know? Yeah. And then I show up and they're like, oh, but Lucia, but I don't have any makeup on, but my lashes, but my eyebrows, but my hair. But I'm like, I don't care. Just show up because then people realize you're normal. And you also wake up with crazy hair and you also, you know, didn't get your eyebrows done or whatever the case is. So it's all about leading by example. And I have a whole team that inspires me to continue to show up no matter what. Awesome. You are one of the most amazing people that I have ever known. And again, I have to acknowledge that. Thank you. Um, So I'm going to ask you a really tough question. How old are you now? 29. So if you could reach back and talk to your 14-year-old self, what would you tell yourself? Oh my God, you're going to make me cry. (laughs) Wow. I would tell her to get as many contacts as possible. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Keep it all in a CRM. (laughs) <laughs> like keep everyone's number, damn it. No, I would tell her. There's a good, that's a good lesson. It is. Yeah. Contacts. I think Grant says that, you know, never burn your contacts, like keep them people. Anyway, I would tell, I would tell her that it's going to be okay. You know, I was very worried at 14 years old. I was not stable because, you know, I had just moved. My parents had a divorce. I was in a new country. So I was very like fragile when it came to making decisions. I felt like people took my voice away. You know, the whole English thing. It was very tough. So I would tell her that it's going to be okay and to work on herself first before trying to save the world and my mom and my brother because I wanted to save everyone and help everyone just to focus on me first and to have done that at a very earlier age which is what we know as personal development so when did you actually start working on yourself at what age I want to say it was 25 what was the cognition that you had that started you doing that and what did you do it was that something so small as downloading an app to listen to books because my whole life I told myself I hate to read. So that was my block Okay. to learning new things. And I think I Googled, like, I don't even know what I Googled. Like I want a book for this or that, or like grow or to be better. Cause I was going through like the breakup, losing my jobs. I was about to lose my apartment. There was no negotiation to moving back with my mom. <laughs> I was like, I drew the line right there. Yeah, I was like, my mom is not going to know that my life is falling apart. I am going to keep my apartment because I was 25 at that time. And I just had to figure it out. So that again, when you're pushed out of your comfort zone, you start to look. And I Googled something and along those lines between my breakup and being broke and not going back to moving with my mom and audible came up, a book came up. And I downloaded, I paid for it. And to me, that was the beginning of new information of like, now I'm really looking to do something for me and to, you know, get all this info and putting it into practice. And then the second book that came into my life was, I actually think it was Be Obsessed or Be Average now that I'm talking about it. What was the first book that you heard? I think it was, no, no, like the first book of Grant, I think it was Be Obsessed or Be Average. 
Yeah, I went from 10x to be obsessed or be average. Okay. I loved both of them. So. I have to look at the email that Steve sent me four years ago. Okay, so what was the first book you downloaded that you're trying really hard not to tell me about? I don't remember. It was something about being a better person. That's what I was looking for. Okay. Do you remember who wrote it? No, I didn't even know Audible existed. Like this was okay. in a moment of like looking for answers, you know, okay. like. I understand. Yeah. Completely, completely. So if you could go back from 29 to the day that you started with Monet, what would you tell yourself? What would you do different? Oh my God. I would tell myself to get over myself. Get over yourself, girl. Just get out there. Who cares? People are going to say no the first time anyways, most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And they still going to make fun of you. You're still going to have the haters. You're still going to have the people that call your business a pyramid scheme. Just do it. I would tell myself to do it 10 times faster. Yeah. I was involved with an MLM called Celtech, which had to do with blue green algae and which I still take to this day because I totally believe in the product. Yeah. And at the time, I owned the world's largest race car building company. You probably don't know that about me. So all of the people that were in my race car world, which were tended to be beer drinking, fast driving, hard living people, I started talking to them about Celtech. And I had 1400 people in my downline inside of nice. you know, 90 days. I didn't know how to hold on. I didn't have the tech that I do now mm-hmm. to maintain all of that. And, you know, mm-hmm. it just has to do with follow up and being the willingness to have the kind of communications that you have with people. And I got all the same crap that you did about MLMs are all pyramid schemes. What they don't realize is every business in the world is a pyramid scheme. When you break it down to its essentials, that's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. So some people will probably excommunicate me from their church for saying that, but (laughs) that's my opinion and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. Everything, it's a pyramid. There's always going to be someone that's going to be better than you on top of you, making more money than you, social status, income corporate America. But you know, the marketing that I do with network marketing in my social media, it's extremely transparent now, because I went through that whole year of like, on and off, because every little negative comment will like, set me back like three months. Completely understand it. Uh, It was horrible. It was like, dude, I got to get rid of some stuff because these people are getting the best out of me. So took care of that. And then yeah, it started super strong. And now it's like all about transparency, good communication, and educating the viewers that are willing to receive new information. There's some viewers that are not willing to receive new info. And they're set on their ways and they're set that MLM is the worst thing in the world. And that's fine with me too. Yeah. There's something for everybody on this planet. All you got to do is be willing to communicate. Exactly. So what is your financial goal for 2021? Mm -hmm. So 2021, you know, it's crazy. I'm on track to make my first million dollars in commissions with Monet. Okay. So that's my goal. May might be too small, right now that I think about it, but um, <laughs> I want, might be done before the year's over, the next year's over, but that's what I want. I want to make my first million dollars before I turn, before my thirties are over. I'm going to be 30 in June of next year. What day? 26. Okay. Okay. So that's my target. I want to make, I want to generate a million dollars in commissions. And then after that, my target is to help 10 people in my organization also generate a million dollars in commissions. I have to do this in the next three years. Well, you actually started to answer my question. What's your three-year goal? So you just told me, what's your five-year goal? So, wow, in five years, I should be making... So this is just within Monet. 
if you're asking me for, you know, numbers and stuff, in five years, I should be making a million dollars a month with this company. That's what our compensation plan is built for. To me, that's like, okay, I won this game. I completely yeah. understand. To me, it's like, okay, I won the game. I'll be number one in Commerner. God, like, this is a good game for me right now. But in five years, I will also want to have my brand. Lucia La Rosa is a much more known brand all around the States. And I do want to bring financial literacy to back to my country or places like that where people, you know, I grew up with my parents telling me, don't touch money, it's dirty, you know, things like that. So really like, you're like, I don't want to touch money, it's dirty. So I want to bring financial literacy to back to my country. One of my dreams is to go around high schools and talk to young people about finances, about entrepreneurship, about money, and do that and help the young generation, which they're doing great, by the way. I mean, they're already entrepreneurs at 16, 14. Mm-hmm. But just some guidance on ethics and financial literacy, I think would be great. Cool, cool. So what is the most significant thing that you've learned in the last five years? To be in ethics. <laughs> Just do the right thing. And it's hard. Yep. There's lots of temptations, lots of excuses. I remember when I, when my young daughter was going off to college, I said, just remember one thing. Every boy is going to give you an opportunity to learn your standards every time he talks to you. Mm. And that wasn't just about sex. It was just about everything else. Everything. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, because I was a young guy and I think she's really attractive. So I know about <laughs> moths to flames and all those kinds of things. And, uh, you know, she's a tough little bird. And, you know, I admire the hell out of her, even though she probably doesn't like some of the things that I've told her. But, you know, it's okay. 22, 21, 23, we are unstoppable. We know everything. We, We just know it all. And it's really when we get our sense of, like, we're adults. So you feel like you don't need your parents, but... You do. (laughs) But yeah, being in ethics, I think that is, it's really hard to do or to say the right things. Sometimes we're tempted, even small things to talk about other people or to continue a bad conversation or to engage in activities that you know you, you shouldn't even be there. It's the small things. So learning that, even the small things that are not right for my morals and values to just remove myself or change the subject or be in control of my environment so I don't have that around me. It's really what I'm working on because I feel that me, I'm getting ready for a next level stuff. And I can't afford to be making those dumb ad ethics mistakes anymore. I love everyone around me, my family, my friends from years, but I just cannot afford it. Do you get along with your mom now? Yes, I do. And you finally she, realized that she was tr- just trying to help you the best way she knew how, right? Yeah. She's the hero of this whole thing. You know, she created this life for me. Like I said, she manifested it. She just put it out and she said, hey, my kids are going to grow up in America. And we really have the best life compared to most of my family members. She's changed my the course of my life, you know, so time to I want to give back now that I can. And she's my best friend. Yeah, cool. Cool. So last question. Mm-hmm. What don't you want us to know about you? <laughs> One thing that I don't want you to know about me. I don't know. I eat a lot. <laughs> Come on. I've seen your Instagram. I know you eat a lot. Oh. Okay, so you know that about me. Well, I wonder how does she stay in such great shape and eat all that food? <laughs> 
I used to be able to walk by a sandwich and gain six pounds. So I'm. Oh my gosh. I know people tease me all the time. I'm so not disciplined when I should say it this way. I'm not disciplined about my eating habits. And it's because I don't gain the weight when I eat the burgers and the fries and the pizza and the dessert. I have dessert here from taking my mom out to lunch. So yeah, that is something that I'm, and I'm actually already taking, you know, I've done something about it. I've paid a trainer in advance, I think two weeks in advance before going back to Miami. And I said, here's my money. This is the goal of like how I want to look and how I want to feel because eating bad just takes energy, which is going to lead into other things that I don't want you to know, like, you know, Mm -hmm. being tired and not performing. So it is all back there, right? But yeah, that would be things I don't want you guys to know. So undisciplined. Well, it's too late because now you just told us, which means, and I'm going to push this out to all 8 billion people on the planet. So everybody's going to know that you're Yeah, crazy. Yeah, hopefully we, I can come back in six months and like show my results of like eating better. But okay. yeah. So you can come back on my podcast anytime. I think you're a very inspirational human being. I think you're beautiful both externally and internally. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And I think you made a great choice in your fiance. Oh, thank you. He is the best. Thank you so much for having me, inviting me. I had a great time. And yes, we'll see you soon. Okay, then that is the end of today's podcast for thanks for being with us. So bye-bye, Lucia. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? I'm invested in your business and personal success, and I hope you found this episode of the podcast insightful. If you or your business is ready to grow, check out my website, 10 Excellence. This is the way that you do that. Number 10, then xlenz.com. Be sure to follow me and send questions on Facebook at Arrow and Marine Tax Professionals and on Twitter and YouTube at Thomas Alston. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on our next episode.